I worked as a trauma therapist for about 10 years. And one of the things I used to talk to um, my clients about was when people come out of trauma, they, on any one of those situations, can have a different journey, even though they're in the same event. Today's guest is a three-time six-figure business owner, entrepreneur, podcast host, and a leadership trainer, my friend, Miss Ali Flynn. Got a go in and have the tough conversations like in relationships they are not always easy like life what if, what if you're communicating with somebody who doesn't know how to communicate effectively if you have experienced trauma you either if you were to go back to your 18 year old self and give her 30 seconds of advice what would it be be Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Alrighty, guys, today's guest is a three-time six-figure business owner, entrepreneur, podcast host, and a leadership trainer. She has experienced enough trauma to last a lifetime with everything happening in her life from having a stroke at 32, having one of her kids develop a kidney disease and the other develop loss of their hearing, being the sole provider for her mother with dementia, growing up in a violent home and spending nights sleeping on the streets and a chronic disease of her own that limits her to standing, limits her standing up ability and majorly limits her to actually use her body the way she used to use it. Handling all of that, life is thrown at her while building and managing three businesses and being a mum, taking everything she's learned and sharing it through her stories of grit and resilience to thousands of people around the globe, helping them build a more resilient mind. She has exploded onto the market with her podcast, Challenges That Change Us. So please help me welcome the woman that went from being a cherry picker at 14 years old to now a successful three times business owner, helping people improve their performance and well-being and helping leaders improve their communication and elevate their teams. My friend, Miss Ali Flynn. Hello, Morgan. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you on the other side of the screen. It's been a while. Has been a while. I came on your show a little while ago and uh, we've been trying to G this up for a very long time. So I'm super fired up because, you know, like I'm super inspired by your story and I know so many other people are going to hear this and not only get inspiration, but we were talking before we started. It's like, what do people really need here? And, and what I think is people really need like tangible skills to use on like how do they actually deal with the adversity that's happening in, in their life. So I'd love to kind of kick it off right there. Can you take us back to a little bit like, you know, you're growing up in domestic violent housing, uh, like growing up with a hectic upbringing and then with everything else you faced. So it sounds like since the beginning of time, you've really had to learn how to trust yourself, back yourself and overcome what life is throwing at you. So can you take us back to the beginning where did you start to learn? If you can remember, where was the first time you started to actually learn how to get through hard times? 
Well, that's a big question. And as you're saying that, I was thinking about as a kid, I didn't necessarily learn so much about me. That came in my 20s when I realized that I was really reactive and I was having all these explosive responses to people and situations. I was like, what is going on? But as a kid, I learned very early on to start to notice and observe human behavior so that I could pick and stay like when something was going to go. So I would do everything I could to work out if someone stepped left or their eyes looked right or, you know, like I was always on alert and always watching other people to try and keep myself safe. And that just flowed on to um, I ended up doing a psych degree and a postgrad in emotionally focused therapy, you know, for obvious reasons. I wanted to help other people. And I also started to want to understand my own self, my own mind, my own body, my own thoughts, behaviours, feelings, because it was like there was all this stuff inside me and I felt like I had potential, but I didn't have a lot of self-worth at that stage. So I kind of knew I could go and do hard things and I knew that I could walk the mile and come face to face with whatever in life, but I didn't actually value myself until later on in life. When when did you start to value yourself? How did you how did you A become aware that you weren't valuing yourself? Then how did you start to develop higher value for yourself? Two things happened. One, I used to work for Pass Paley Pearls out at sea. Um, so that was a pretty cool experience. I used to spend two to five weeks out at sea and then come on land for a week and go back out. And during that time, um, I had a boyfriend and he was the one that said to me, you can keep pushing me away, but you know I'm going to go and love other people. Like I will walk away from this relationship and go on in love. You're the only one that's hurting here. And I was like, it felt like he slapped me in the face. And that really resonated and stayed with me because I was like, hang on a second, that guy's actually right. Like everyone that I'm with that I push away or I can't love goes on and finds someone else. And then I'm in the same pattern on repeat, like fall in love, push them away, fall in love, push them away. And then I came back over east and um, my other partner that I was with, when I say other partner, not at the same time, (laughs) earlier on my boyfriend through uni, we got back together. And I remember thinking at that time, it was so clear to me. I was like, if he is prepared to come back into relationship with me, all of my baggage and all of my shit what am I prepared to do in this relationship like am I actually going to step up to the plate and meet him halfway and that it was in that moment that I thought okay now go and do all the research who can I talk to what can I learn what therapy can I do and I started to throw everything at it like what don't I know about me that's impacting my life so that I can have a better relationship more fulfilled life be successful in all the ways that I dreamt about my whole life Mm. <clears throat> so I want to I want to dive into so your podcast is called Challenges That Change Us okay so obviously like I, I can see why it's probably been inspired but talk to us about challenges specifically right because I love that how it how you said it's changed us right looking back on all the hard things that have happened to you right the adversities the challenges all these sorts of things I would say would you go back and change them and I know you'd say never but talk to us about why going through challenges and adversities is actually somewhat crucial for our own life and our own growth. Why do you think? The lower you fall, the higher you can fly. So life is made up of black and white, night and day, yin and yang. It is the same with adversity. Like we, the more challenge we go through, the more ability and the opportunity we have to be triumphal 
if that's even a word, is triumphal a word? Like, you know, Triumphant. the more we can Triumphant. feel the strength within us, the more opportunity we get to show our resilience and our strength and the more we can look back on life and think, wow, I just did that. Like there is no problem I can't solve because I've had so much experience in that space. So at the time it can be tough, but we are here for a full human experience. And I think sometimes we try and cheat it. We try and fast forward it. We try and think, why can't we be content our whole life? And can you imagine how boring that would be? Like if we just were at one level and one pace and one energetic zone, like we would have no richness. Mm. I, I like to explain to people that, um, it's like, have you ever seen, like at my three-day, at my Dream Out Loud method event, right? I use this whole method I've sort of created to help people sort of go through this and discover where they are in life. And I use the example that we've all seen a movie that was absolutely amazing, like Top Gun Maverick, where, but you know everything that's going to happen in it. You know exactly what's going to happen next. You know, you know how it's going to end. You know it all, but you're so like sucked in. You're like, this movie is fucking amazing. You know, and then we've all gone and seen a movie that was absolutely shithouse. And at the end of it, we're like, I would never watch that again, ever. And you really, you know, contemplate what you just did for the last two hours of your life. And I asked me, I'm like, what's the difference? And every single time, the major difference is the shit movie didn't have anything exciting. There was no massive wins. There was no massive mm. struggles. There was no challenges. There was no setbacks. There was no moments where you thought, oh my God, they're not going to make it. But all the incredible movies are the ones that have all that, where they take you through that emotional roller coaster, And that's why when you finish it, it's so rewarding. And, and I hope people actually understand. It's like, what part of the movie are you in right now? Like in your own life. Like if your life is a movie and you want to finish it, but when you get there, it's like the most exciting thing ever. You've really got to embrace all the struggles, right? And it's about actually identifying which part of the story are you in right now? Are you, a, are you being called into a challenge? Are you facing the challenges? Are you at the point in your life where you think it's never going to work, where everyone's left you, where, you know, it's like you thought things were working and then you're all on your own, you're trying to figure out, or are you making your comeback story right now, right? And it's about really identifying that because without it, we really live an absolutely boring life in my opinion. You know, like I think we... we if, if I think back all the, the hectic things that have happened in my life as well, I look back at it now, it's like, man, every single one of them is a gnarly story. And that's what makes yeah. my life so exciting right now. But what I'd like to know, especially because with your psychology background, people go through shit, they go through trauma, they go through hard times. And then I've often seen a lot of people, and I'm sure you have too, that they get so attached and to that trauma where they don't actually transform into the person they want to become, where they, they self-identify really as that person. Can you explain to us why why is that? Like from a psychology, psychology sort of standpoint, why is it that some people, if they go through struggles in their life and traumas in their life, they actually struggle to never overcome it and they get too attached to who they once were? Can you talk into that? In an hour? <laughs> Yeah. How quickly can you? Um, In a nutshell. I guess, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is so complex, right? I just want to preface it with it is a, mm -hmm. we are complex human beings and we're here and we have so much, so much to ourselves and there's so much external environment and it's through experience and story and, you know, so many things. But one of the things that I did think about when you were saying that 
that maybe your listeners haven't heard before is when I used to work, I worked as a trauma therapist for about 10 years. And one of the things I used to talk to um, my clients about was think of it like a third is the event, right? So two people may go to a car crash, experience a car crash and walk away with completely different experiences post car crash. Why is that? So it's only a third of it is the event. A third of it is how you integrate it into your world. So the stories that we tell ourselves about the event, like you were saying, some people have it on repeat, have it on a broken record. Some people decide to do something about it. Some people are unaware that it's still triggering them. Um, And the, the last third is how people respond to us when we do tell them about it. You know, like mm. when there's been a massive trauma in our life and we go and have a conversation and that first person shuts us down, that we can internalize and then be like, well, this isn't a big story or I'm not val- I'm not meant to feel this way or they don't think it's important. You know, a whole number of things can happen. So if you think about it, there's three different roads there and that is why it is so complex. When people come out of trauma, they on any one of those situations can have a different journey even though they're in the same event. And I imagine this is really ex- interesting because I imagine once they would go and share the story. So let's say they, oh my God, you wouldn't believe what happened. You know, I, ha- I, I was in this car crash and I nearly died. And um, right, so this is what actually happened. And the second third is the story I created was, you know, driving on the road is unsafe or blah, 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 blah whatever the story they created. What happens in the third section on a neurological level with the biochemistry in the body? Because I imagine once they go and share that story, and they get someone who goes, oh, my God, you nearly died? Wouldn't that release something in the body that they would get attached to? Like, does that release any feelings of Certain dopamine, hormones. serotonin, anything like this? Where Does that, anything like that happen? Where actually, Because I imagine that if they got a payoff from sharing the story, they would want to continue to share the story to get that sort of attention because one of the biggest things we crave is human connection, right? Connection. Yeah. And I look, honestly, I couldn't tell you now I've stepped away from that industry. I'm like, I'm out of date in that industry. So I couldn't tell you what the latest research and science is around that. But we do our brain fires in all different ways. And we know we're still learning like the brain is amazing. And we're still learning about it. So what we know today and what we'll know in five years could look completely different. Mm. But I think what we do know is when we have interactions with others, different parts of our brain light up, when we feel connected with people, when we get excited, when um, there's a conflict situation or aggressive situation or that flight, fight and freeze. We have all different parts of the brain that lights up and stimulates our body in different ways. I think it's important for people to um, know that what they go through um, is a part of the story. It's a part of the story where instead of thinking about it as the whole story mm-hmm. and what other things, what can they do in their world to move themselves forwards? How can they start to look at post-traumatic growth? How can they, you know, notice what's happening for them and start to talk to the right people or read the research or go and do the healing work or do the feeling work or go back and do some NLP? I know, Morgan, you're trained up in NLP. Like go and do some regression work so that they can move that block that's in their body or in their brain so that they can go on and be themselves. But it's really noticing when something's still around, right? Like that self-awareness piece is so critical and I I often think we forget to give it the value and the space and the resources it deserves. Like we need to understand ourselves before we can understand others. Mm, Yeah, I literally had this conversation with my partner last night and I said, I was like, we were talking about how people are dealing with each other in in their workplace, right? Which is going to be awesome because we're going to talk about next, like with communication. 
Mm. And she was saying, she's like, you know, like some people, you know, they like they might get angry at one person, they might get angry at somebody else, or the way that people are just responding. I'm like, human beings are just this absolute incredible creature. I'm like, we're an absolute incredible creature because there was this one person that's recently come back into my life where I knew them quite a while ago. And back when I knew them, I didn't really like them. There's lots of things about them where I was like, this person's a bitch. Like, you know, they're a bit of an asshole. I didn't, I really didn't really like parts of them. And then they've come back into my life and I've known that about them, right? And I'm like, oh, here they are. There's this person. I'm not really, they only like this person. And then we just reconnected again. And I've recently hung out with them and I was literally watching them the other day and we're having a big conversation and here they are in their full essence. They haven't changed at all. They're still the same personality, saying the same shit, triggering people. And, and like this definitely is a person who would be hard to like, put it that way. But I was watching them and I said, I was like, in my own head, I was like, you definitely are a person who would be hard to like. And I love that so much about you. That's what I was saying in my head. I was like, that's just so cool. Like, I love that this person is so authentically them. And and none of it was actually triggering to me. None of it was a problem for me anymore. None of it was me being like, oh my God, this person. I was like, they're just funny. Like, I just find them so funny. And I love that about them. And, and I was talking to my partner about it. I was like, isn't it so interesting that this is like, if we really want the world to be a better place, it's not really about trying to change other people. In fact, it's not that at all. And in fact, if you look on the news right now, Everything is all about trying to change others, change people's opinions, change people's beliefs and all this sorts of shit. But right then in this instance, this relationship with me and this person completely changed, not because they changed, but because I did the work on myself. So the things in her that annoyed me were only present because they also exist inside of me. And I got okay with the parts of me that were annoyed, were being annoyed this person. And I just worked on myself. And I said to her, I was like, Literally, the world would be such a better place. It's not really about becoming better communicates to other people. It's about understanding yourself better, doing your own work and becoming a better person yourself. Because if less people were getting into arguments with each other, triggering each other, being nasty to each other, doing hectic shit in the world, it would, it would, it would be a byproduct of actually doing the work of themselves. And that's really what it's all about, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's not about trying to change other people. It's about going, how can I become aware of this shit and, and do the work myself? Yeah, and that that is like I look at a three-step process. So step one is that self-awareness piece because absolutely everything you said is so true. The second step is then how can I start to observe the behaviors in others? And then the third step is how do I adjust my style to bring out the best in this interaction? Because, um, you know, we talk a lot about um, – treat other people how you want to be treated. But half the time I'm talking Japanese, they're talking French and we're not connecting. So that's actually not accurate. You mm -hmm. want to be able to understand you and understand your reactions and what you're talking about there is what we call an emotional signature. So when you um, have a reaction to someone or something, we have a natural response that we do and that we can miss that sometimes. We can miss that initial response or we can be aware of it and not want to do anything about it. But it's really important to get that self-awareness so that we can then start to understand maybe what's going on for someone else after that and then how do we connect and how do we make better relationships and how do we start to have better conversations from our end. Mm. We can't change them like you said, but we absolutely can adjust our style to bring out the best in the other person and to bring out the best and to get the outcome that we're looking for. Yeah. Look, I want to I talk about, so you've had, I imagine your life day to day is pretty freaking hectic. 
You've got two kids that need a lot of attention from you. You've got your mother that needs a lot of attention. Three kids. Three kids, sorry. <laughs> Three kids. You've got a husband, which <laughs> probably also needs a lot of attention. Uh, and you've run, you run three businesses, right? Well, now you say so you just sold one, right? So you're running two businesses right now and you sold one. And I know one of the main things you teach people is all about leadership and communication. So can we open up this conversation here? I want to, I really want to understand how does somebody like you that has so much shit happening that life has just been like, take my attention, take my attention. Like you need energy going there. How does someone like you handle all that and still give the attention and the energy that it needs to grow multiple businesses at once. The things that come to mind when you say that are a couple of things. One is a teaspoon theory. So I've learned this recently in the last sort of two years is that like say I have 16 teaspoons a day, use them wisely. What do I want my first three teaspoons to be spent on? Like I can do anything, but at what cost? So that might be costing money. It might be costing time, energy, so it, it's really weighing that up from a day-to-day basis. It's like, okay, at the start of the day, I've got all these things to do, all these people to see. Just know that there is, it's not limitless. Time isn't limitless. Energy isn't limitless. So how do we, how do we use our teaspoons wisely? Um, and starting to get an idea about what, what like if I'm going to have a difficult conversation with a staff member, how many teaspoons will that use? Versus if I'm going to go and spend time in detail, writing marketing copy, um, doing the accounting, whatever it is, how many teaspoons would that use? So that's one thing. But the other thing that I really thought about then when you said it, and this is something that I didn't realize other people didn't do for a very long time, is I have an an incredible ability to give 110% of my attention to what I'm doing in the moment. And then I walk away from it and it's like that didn't exist. So when I'm in one business, I can give it my whole heart attention for that hour if that's what it's doing. And when I walk away, no matter where that problem's up to, no matter where that, where we're up to in the day in that business, I can walk away from that situation and focus on something else without it letting seep back in. And there's a couple of ways that I do that. One of them is if you find that you're trying to put your attention on a task and it's like this, it's like a if you shake up a Coke bottle and start to open the lid and it all starts to spurt out, if you find that these little thoughts and feelings are jumping in and kind of invading that attention, then maybe what you need to do is set a time in your diary, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm going to be thinking about that. And so every time it comes up, it's like, yep, I've got you. I'm going to think about you at 9 a.m. Like just keep pushing it over. So And then you have to value that time. You have to sit down at 9 a.m. and go, all right, what were all the things I was thinking about? What is the problem here? What is the outcome I want? What's stopping me from getting that outcome? So sometimes what we do is we just, we're on this rat wheel and we keep going and we notice all these thoughts coming in, but we don't do anything with them and we just allow them to invade that space so that we're not present and we're not giving 110% to that moment with what we're trying to achieve. And I think the other way that I do that, I was thinking is um, I know that my intention is good so that when I walk away from a situation, I know that I've given my best. It might not be the same equal to the best that I gave it last time, but in that moment, I gave everything I could to the best of my ability. And that is enough. And you've got to be okay with that being enough, even though it might not have been how you wanted to be. Even though like coming on this podcast, Morgan, like I'm going to give you 110% of what I can today. Perhaps if we did a podcast yesterday, it might have been better. I might have had more energy or not as much on my mind. Or, But at the end of this podcast, I have to be okay with saying I gave the best I could in that moment for Morgan's listeners and to Morgan and that is enough and then move on to the next thing and not let those thoughts keep creeping in. 
What's up, Dream Nation? Have you ever wondered how far ahead your life would have already been if you had got access to this type of content at a younger age? Look, this is why I need your help. I'm trying to build the number one personal development platform out there to teach you guys the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live your dream life and to bring the type of education that we all wish we had in school. This show only grows by word of mouth and new subscribers, so it would mean the world to me if you could smash that subscribe button right now Leave us a five-star written review or drop a comment below and share this episode with a friend. I would be forever grateful. All right, now let's get back into this episode. Yeah, so doing a hundred percent, doing your hundred percent best every single time. Um, what about like I'm? How do you how do you how do you regulate your nervous system through all this? <laughs> like, I imagine if like because I'm similar to that as well. It's like I I could probably do one task. And give a hundred percent, and once, and I'm very good at that as well. It's like I'll move on to the next thing, and I'll completely forgot we even had this conversation today. So if I don't, mm-hmm. if I don't at the end of this do the things I need to do, I'll move to my next task, and I could completely miss this whole podcast recording because um, I might just forget it because I'm just on to the next thing. It's it's done out yeah. of my mind now. So I can do that as well. And but I also know, like it sounds like you've got so much shit happening. What I also know is if I do it for too long, I feel my body start to like like tank a bit. And so I need to know that I've got something that I'm going to be able to balance it out with where it doesn't need my full hyper-focused attention coming up, whether that be in a couple of days or a week or something like that. How do you sort of deal with that and actually bring your body back to a form of like neutral? Literally have it in my diary. <laughs> so I actually Ooh. block out. So I can have block out time. So tomorrow morning, there is a big yellow highlighted bit in my diary, which means nothing can come into that other than family and connection. So um, one of the things I've had to learn, and this is from having a stroke. And so after my stroke, I didn't have the capacity that you and I are talking about right now. I didn't have the capacity to be on six lanes and to go, go, go. I had one lane and that was hard. It was like I was driving at night with no headlights on in one lane and I didn't know where I was going for for a good two years and now life is colorful and I'm on the six lane highway and it's going both ways and I could go any direction but I didn't experience that for a long time so I had to put more systems in place and one of those was that if I'm going to give a lot of my energy to something if it's going to use a lot of my teaspoons how am I going to fill that bucket back up and not just the bucket in like meditation or self-care where you think about bars and walks like self-care might involve feeling inspired it might involve going and doing another course It might involve, Morgan, me being on here with you today is going to inspire me naturally. I know I'm going to have energy at the end of this conversation. It doesn't take from my bucket. It puts back in my bucket. And so really thinking about your your physical body has a bucket, your mindset has a bucket, your, your gut health has a bucket. So how are you fueling your body to be able to do these amazing things? Your soul has a bucket whatever that means to the listeners, whether that's spiritual, whether that's just feeling good, whether that's that self-care piece. And you want to constantly be filling that bucket up in any given opportunity you can so that when adversity hits or you need to use extra teaspoons, you're pulling from an empty bucket. I mean, sorry, change that. You're pulling from a full bucket, not an empty bucket. It's that old cup of coffee. You You can't drink from a cup of coffee that's empty. You can't expect your body and your mind to do fabulous things and to be at its best if you've been stripping it, stripping it, stripping it, stripping it. In the gym, you train for four or five weeks and then you have a light week. We can learn a lot from the athletes. Like they would not go 110% all the time and then try and run a 100-meter race at the Olympics. They have light weeks. 
And those light weeks are about giving back to their body before they go and lift in the gym, before they go and do a deadlift, they might do some triggering. They might do some release work. They might do some mobility work. So they have a greater range to be able to get greater strength, to be able to get greater performance. And we need to think of our, ourselves as that as well. Like we're a machine. How are we fueling it in all those areas? Yeah. How do we how do we become better communicators, right? One of the things you teach is leadership. You teach people how to become better leaders, how to elevate their team. How do we become better communicators? Uh, probably what we said before around those steps of know yourself to be able to read others, to be able to adjust your style. But the things that you need to, before you even get to any of those kind of steps, is you need to have a conversation with yourself and check in. Are you committed to the process? Like, are you 100% committed to learning about communication, being in connection with people, having the hard conversations, or are you just trying to, like, have a conversation because you have to and you just got to get through that to get to the end of the day? Like, are you invested or are you just treading water and buying time? You've got to be courageous. Like, you've got to be, you've got to go in and have the tough conversations. Like, in relationships, they are not always easy, like life. My husband has been there. He is solid, right? He's phenomenal. Do we still have disagreements? Absolutely. Do we still get frustrated at each other? Absolutely. So I've got to have the courage to step up to the plate and say, hey, can we just touch base about the way that we're parenting the kids at the moment? Like you're, I've noticed that you're just coming down and doing X, Y, and Z, and I want to be doing it this way. Like what are we going to do about that? Because I'm noticing that I'm getting really frustrated and I'm not sure what that's about. Can we have a conversation? Now, it's a lot easier initially to not have that conversation. Mm. But we've got to have the courage to step into it because we get, we play harder, we have more success when we step into that space. And we have to be clear, like as clear as we possibly can be, the amount of times we go in and talk to people in an ambiguous way. We don't know what we're trying to say. We don't know what outcome we want out of the situation. And we just kind of use words and hope for the best. Like it's not strategic. We're not present and we're not strategic. So you want to have a fine balance of both in conversations. What if, what if you're communicating with somebody who doesn't know how to communicate effectively? Like someone who yeah. gets feels like they're being attacked. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. How do, you, how do you navigate that? So you asked earlier about trauma and I was thinking that's a really good example. So in our really, really early um, foundational years, if you have experienced trauma, you either develop what we call a hard outer shell where you attack outwards. So we all know, uh, and this is me, right? Hands up. I am this person. I'm textbook annihilated. So when something goes wrong, I blame everyone else. Straight up. Like, Morgan, if we couldn't get on here today, I would be, think, well, Morgan didn't send me the link. Like, I'm so attacking by nature because of my childhood history mm-hmm. and because of what happened when I was a kid, I had to learn to protect myself. I had to have this really hard outer shell, which acts like a shield so that when something comes at me, I reflect it back out to the world and blame others. The other side of the continuum to that is what we call abandonment, where when something comes at us, we have what we call a diffuse boundary. So if you imagine a circle and it's got all these holes in it and the arrows come straight in and we attack ourselves, we think we are the reason that something went wrong. And so that's where you crumble, you cry, you retreat, you, you're you not on that attack. So two very different reactions and how we manage people that are in those highly reactive states looks different depending on how they are. So if someone's attacking you verbally, like if you're in conversation with someone, Morgan, and 
you know, they're coming at you and you're like, God, it doesn't matter what I do here. This person is angry and frustrated. And you know, that verbal diarrhea, it's like, they're like, blah, 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 blah. you did this and you did that. And you don't even know where you can like kind of get into the conversation. Mm. There's a couple of really cool tricks. The first thing is bubble it. It's going to take some time. If you think this conversation is going to take two minutes and you get a good outcome, you're just not going to. So you have to be able to be a committed, like I said, to having the conversation. The second key is move out of the way. Like imagine that it is verbal vomit coming at you and you need to move your head to the side and let that verbal diarrhea go over your shoulder because they're not attacking you. They're attacking outwards because they feel psychologically unsafe. Mm. Something in the world from their childhood is vibrating, saying I'm not in a safe place and they're probably completely unaware of it. So they're just like dumping these words, trying to protect themselves. And so move out of the way, let it go over the shoulders, wait for that to simmer down before you come back in and start to have the conversation. And then you can start to talk to them. But so often we try and intercept that when someone's escalating and they're frustrated and they're getting like they're attacking outwards, we try and like get in there to be like, hey, but you're not listening to me. And what about this person? Like it's not just their fault. Like what about you? What was your role? But we're coming in too early. So just letting them have space to sort of have their little tantrum. And, and move out of the way. Like get it, like let it go straight past you. Yeah. And because if you think yeah. about it, Morgan, if you think about it, if you're annihilated yourself and someone starts attacking you, the first thing you're going to do is attack back. Mm. Or if you're abandoned and someone starts attacking you, the first thing you're going to do is like that arrow is going to hit your heart and you're going to think, oh, my God, I'm really – shit person here and I this is my fault so you're already thinking that and then someone starts attacking you and you just shrink smaller and smaller Mm. so you've got to let those words go past you they're not at you how about how about from the other perspective let's say someone's here and they're like I'm a good communicator but I feel like when certain people communicate with me they sort of attack me or they're very direct or they're um like very boss like where it's like so and if they if they feel like they're getting abused or something like that how can they sort of go about like let's i'm putting like the a workplace sort of thing like a manager or a boss sort yep. of coming down on yep. them how do they sort of defend themselves in a way where they can communicate more effectively to their leader their boss whatever while still being respectful so you're saying that the boss is being attacking and the person yeah. on the other end is like i want to have it so this is where when we start to understand what happens so what happens for us what reaction are we having in the moment first and foremost because if we are in reaction nothing's going to go well so you said earlier that we are in charge of ourselves and so we need to take check and take stock take a moment they're going to keep ranting so you have time you don't need to panic take a moment take stock what is my reaction here am i Worried? Am I worried they're going to find me? Am I scared that if I speak up, they're going to get more aggressive? Am I feeling like they're treating me like shit? Whatever it is, like check your own reaction first. And then it's about dancing in conversation. So what is it that that person, it doesn't matter that they're your boss. It shouldn't make a difference whether they're your boss or your person that you're working next to or your kids. It's like, what do they need from me here? You know where I said they're speaking Latin, you're speaking French. How do you start speaking the same language? So Mm. How can you ask more curious questions to simmer the situation so that you can get an outcome that you want? Yeah. They're just human beings. And so often we put them on a pedestal because they're a boss. I can't I can't do that because they're my boss. You can absolutely dance in conversation. 
You can absolutely take charge of this conversation and ask really smart strategic questions to open that other person up so that they can work out what's going on for them so that you can get the outcome that you want in that conversation. Yeah. You can say, what's, what's that like? Tell me more about that. Or, you know, I'm wondering how would that be if, um, I'm just trying to think of an example. So if the boss is coming down and being like, you didn't hand in this work, like I need this work yesterday, you haven't handed in and they're like, coming down attacking, move out of the way, let the attack go past before you jump back in and be like, can we can we sit down and talk about this? I really want to understand what's happening for you. You're saying that it didn't come in. What was the expectation around that? So asking questions so that that person's feeling heard, validated and understood. It doesn't matter that they're your boss. You're flipping the conversation so that you can, you can actually start to communicate together so you can mm-hmm. meet in the middle. You got to take control of that. Every conversation you got to go go into, you got to know what's my role in this. Yeah. Don't just be don't just be a tourist in it. Yeah. Um, what I want to know is this: uh, as we sort of come to the end, um, so you've built three super successful businesses, a successful life yourself, despite having every single reason why you couldn't or why you shouldn't. And I would really like to know, what do you think is the one or two things that have really helped you become as successful as you have been? What do you think they are? Um, I would say, and I this gets refined over time, and your listeners have probably heard this, but I just can't put enough emphasis. The more we've faced that either I might not survive the next 10 years or one of my children may not make the next 10 years. Like we have stared down that barrel quite a few times and every time that happens, we come back to the drawing board and we have a conversation around what are our values? Are we living into them? Are they make, Are they guiding our decisions or have we just put them on the bookshelf and we're forgetting about them? What are our pillars? Like what are our strategic pillars in life? Like what do we really care about and what is important to us? That changes over time and that's okay. And you've got to make sure that you're still checking in with that. So when you run a business or a company, if one of your strategic pillars is to go out there and give it absolute best and to go as far as you possibly can in your career, that is completely fine. Go nuts, go for it, keep it in the forefront of your mind. But if the situation changes, if the game you're playing changes, be agile enough to recognize it and to shift, to be able to say, hang on a second, I was working to that, but now I'm working towards this. Our national company, we were ready to scale. We were ready to take it even internationally. And then I got diagnosed with another condition and we had a conversation as a team and we were like, well, what does this mean now? It's like, well, we can still do really fabulous work and have a really great impact, but it looks we're going to go left instead of right. And we need to be able to do that ourselves in life. Like adversity just changes the game we're playing. So take stock, take a moment, check in. What what do we need here? What What's still guiding our decisions? And what are the three key most important areas for me in my life? And am I living into those? Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I love it. Ali, this has been fun. Um, where can everybody find you on social media and check out your <laughs> podcast? You mean- and everything? <laughs> I always laugh when you say that because when we first met, I had no social media. Um, Yeah, you you came from nothing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Challenges That Change Us is the podcast. It's on every platform. Um, If you jump on, we're in the Australian chart, so it's very easy to find. It should come straight up as soon as you start writing challenges in. Um, And I would love to invite all of your listeners over there if they think that that's going to be valuable to them. And I'm on LinkedIn as Ali Flynn and on Facebook. um, Instagram I'm not so into, but, yeah, I'm still – socials aren't really there. I spend a lot – when you say how do I do it all, you, you can't do it all. So there's things you've got to let go off the radar. And for me, socials is just one of them. It's not a place. It's not something I play in very much. I spend my time with the people. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. All right, to wrap this up, i got a final question. Are you ready? Yes. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give her 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? Be agile and in order to do that you need to be filling your buckets up all the time so that when something comes at you you have the ability to pivot to move to go forwards to take a pause whatever it be but spend the time that you have wisely filling all of those buckets up that we spoke about so that you can just live your life to the full experience and when you need to borrow some teaspoons from your well-being bucket, borrow them. When you need to borrow it, when you need to think like you've got a whole week of training, you can just pull it out of your mindset bucket, whatever. But fill that bucket up consistently and value yourself so that you can just be on this journey and this ride. It's one hell of a ride. But you've got to have your eyes open to experience it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story and make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.